This is the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast with addiction recovery specialist, Dr. Greg Lakin. Real people, real stories, real addiction, and real recovery journeys. The Road to Recovery starts now. Thank you, Phil. I have a special guest here today. We've known each other for a long time. Tina Louise, I call her, because mm-hmm. that truly is your middle name, right? You finally got it. I got it right. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> yeah uh, and, but you look more like Marianne uh-huh. for anybody that this is true. knows Gilligan's Island. But um, yes, so we go back a ways because you've been in the medical field for a long time. Yes. And many, many years. And then um, you have had to battle addiction in your family. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I ended up having to go to a funeral yeah. a few months ago. Yep. It breaks my heart, but um, you've got a story to tell that I think will help others. And I really appreciate you coming on because um, people need to hear the good, the bad, yes. the lessons learned, and Absolutely. it's very powerful. So just start from the beginning, with, okay. if you would. Well, um, so the addiction that we battled in our family wasn't mine. It was mm-hmm. uh, my son. Um, his name is Kyle. And um, let's see, I want to say the first time that we were brought aware of the addiction was uh, right after he had graduated from high school. So he was about 19 at the time. Um, and this is the thing about uh, life with an addict. I mean, this is my perspective only. You don't always get the whole truth. I mean, it, a lot of times it's um, what they want you to hear or half-truths. So what I'm reporting here with this story is what we know. Um, Because I think that, um, I think addicts a lot of times live with uh, a lot of secrets. Mm -hmm. And so um, with Kyle, he he reported that he started using uh, opiates, opiates after he had an injury. He had put his hand through a window and it tore up some ligaments um, in his arm. And the hand surgeon that we took him to put him on Lortaps. Mm-hmm. Um, he was diagnosed with ADD as a child. Um, we did not treat him with Adderall at the time. That was the only treatment right. you know, yeah. in the early 90s. Um, so we, we just, you know, we treated it with uh, lots of routine and all the other alternative methods of treating ADD. Well, Kyle had said that um, when he was taking the opiates, he, he realized that it affected his ADD. Mm-hmm. Like, it helped him right. focus. Yeah. And it was on accident that he discovered that this drug mm-hmm. helped him with other things right. um, that he battled with. Um, and, and, and going on later in life, you know, we, we recognized other things in his personality that he struggled with as far as, um, you know, his coping me- mechanisms weren't the best. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, the opiates, I think, were just his way of self-medicating himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he came to us at 19, he had, um, I can't honestly remember because this is so long ago. I mean, we're talking about a decade ago almost if his friend had already died from an addiction. Um, and then he, I, I think maybe he came to us after that and said, Mom, you know, I'm, I'm doing these same drugs. Um, he had a, a friend named Phil that um, was taking opiates um, and Adderall. They were mixing them at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a cardiac arrest while he was swimming in a lake at night. And so another 19-year-old had Mm -hmm. died, his Kyle's best friend. So it rocked his world. I mean, to the point where um, Kyle had a 4.0. He was uh, Phi Theta Kappa at at Butler, and he had gotten a full-ride scholarship to WSU to their business program. Very brilliant, brilliant kid. Um, So he he threw it all away. He decided he he just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he had to come up with a reason why. And that's when the addiction came to light. Um, so after some talking and um, trying to figure out what we were going to do, giving him some choices, because he still lived at home at this time. Right. And um, he had siblings. And so, I mean, we couldn't have an addiction in the house. Right, absolutely. Um, younger sister. Yes. Actually, he has several um, younger, younger siblings. Um, Kyle's dad and I are divorced, and he, mm-hmm. we both remarried. 
And so he has um, two younger siblings with his dad's side of the family. He remarried and they had two children. And then um, Kyle had three sisters on my side. So he had five younger siblings. So um, what happened was at the time, um, it just came out where he'd actually tried to kick this himself at one point in time. I was um, telling the story earlier today that um, he had confessed to me that this flu that came out of the blue where he was in bed for five, six days straight was him coming off the opiates cold turkey. Mm -hmm. Um, He was an athlete um, in high school, uh, captain of his wrestling team. You know, he, so he wasn't going to let this uh, beat him. He was very Mm -hmm. competitive. So his first time trying to get clean, he did it by himself. Nobody knew. Mm-hmm. with no help he just went cold turkey but the withdrawal it, it it's so uh, i mean it's, it's painful severe. it's severe yes yeah so yeah. and he couldn't tell us because we didn't mm-hmm. even know about the addiction at the time so right. we just thought he had the flu and you know mm-hmm. he stayed home for a week straight and and then eventually came out of it um but this this time when everything came out um he had decided he was just shutting down i mean he was yeah. He had also obviously relapsed and was taking drugs again and threw away this full-ride scholarship to WSU. His best friend had just died. He was just a hot mess. Yeah. Hot mess. You know, all these things, I mean, they it's a common theme where especially males have an element of anxiety or yeah. ADD, and all they know is that when they take a Lord Tap or a cassette, something like that, it kind of calms their mind yeah. and they feel more normal. Mm-hmm. They don't know in the long run that it's going to exacerbate everything. Right. And then guys are terrible, especially young guys, because they will not ask for help. They will not. Yeah. They're going to macho through it no matter what. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, and I think that's what was happening is he was experiencing uh, that roller coaster that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And also, in addition to that, I think he was noticing that he his tolerance level was going up and up and up. Yeah. And, it, you know, we had always asked these, you know, as a parent, you're like, how comes you work and you have no money ever, you know, because he was spending it on his drugs. Working all the time. Yeah. Do I, I mean, because yeah. that was one of the conditions, you know, we, we were like, you know, if you're not going to go to college, then you need to, you need to work. Right. And he just couldn't. I mean, he, he was so broken down and at the point where even what he was making at his part-time job that he was doing on top of school, yeah. it was just not enough. Yeah. So, um, I think we did try, um, he had gone cold, got done the cold turkey thing again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I skipped a little part. Um, he refused to go to rehab. Mm-hmm. We couldn't get him to go. Well, I remember you coming to me and bringing him to yeah. me, but he was an adult still yep. and uh, headstrong and he didn't see the need yet. Yeah. He didn't he see didn't the need. See the, see, you know, yeah. he didn't. And so yeah. we, uh, this is one of the hardest parts as a parent. We actually had to kick him out of the house. Right. Because uh, he continued to use. He was drinking alcohol on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we had young girls, young, you know, his siblings were at home, and we just couldn't have it. And so Shane and I both made the decision together. That and we, Shane's a police officer. No, that's my husband. Oh, got it. Mike. Okay. Shane is his dad. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Shane was a recovering addict himself. Okay. And so he went to the funeral, so I'm sure you heard the story. Yes, yes. Um, yes. But uh, he, we had come together and we had decided, because he was very, he was newly recovered at that point, mm-hmm. Shane was. Mm-hmm. And um, we both decided that we just couldn't, we were going to have to tough love this. Yes. And it's so heartbreaking as a mom, I don't mm-hmm. know how dads do, but as a mom, mm-hmm. to just kick your kid out. Yeah. No job. He had no job at the time. Shane yeah. took his car. Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking, okay, where is he, what, what is he going to do? I well, mean, you tried everything else. You how's tried... he going to eat? Yeah. You know. Yeah. But we did it, and somehow mm-hmm. he figured out how to, a couch to sleep on. And mm-hmm. he, you know, his grandma and I, I have a confession to make. We did sneak him food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> No, you still. Okay, I'm going to stick to the pact. Yeah. But nobody said I couldn't feed my son. So, I mean, we, I don't feel like that was enabling. I had to feed him. I was his mom. So, um, anyways, we, it was just a cycle. You know, he Mm -hmm. would, he would um, recover. 
mm-hmm. and be in recovery and do great. Yeah. And when he was um, without drugs in his system, mm-hmm. he was a one—I mean, amazing person. Even right. when he was an addict, he was an amazing person. But um, just you would get that old Kyle back. Mm-hmm. And so it got to the point where Shane and I could tell, and my husband Mike, we could tell when he was sober and when he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Because we could see the old glimpses of him back. Yeah. It's funny how you don't really... Uh, uh, it's funny how we, when he did come to us and say, I have an addiction, we, we were all kind of surprised. Yeah. But after a while, yeah. you get to where you see the signs, you know, when yeah. you know they're there, you get, you start seeing them. So. Yeah, with all that hindsight, all of a sudden things, yes, you things start, that didn't make sense. They're starting but, to make sense. Right. And so um, Kyle was doing great. He had actually um, started, he was dating this girl several years. They had gotten engaged and were living together. Yes. Um, he had a, a job, mm-hmm. you know, he, he had the same job for like six years. I mean, so he seemed to be doing well. But what we found out was that he he's just got better at hiding his addiction. Mm-hmm. Or he was doing different drugs. So if it wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. the opiate, because he could say, I'm not taking any opiates right now. Mm-hmm. But he was taking Xanax. Or he was taking, yeah. you know, or he was drinking alcohol excessively. Or, I mean, there was always something. Yeah. So, um, something to calm the mind, something yeah. to calm the pain. And you know, that's, I mean, if you've got anxiety, ADD or whatever, I think maybe you inherit the disorder, mm-hmm. but you're going to use calming drugs, whatever it is, alcohol, benzos, opioids right. to just, to, to just calm that overactive mind that just right. starts to wear you down. Wear you down. Yeah. And I don't even know because I'm, I'm not an addict. I, I don't mm-hmm. know what makes them decide to go and start using again after you're in a place of recovery. I don't get that, mm-hmm. but I know it happens a lot. Um, <clears throat> so I think with Kyle, um, he had tons of resources. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he, I mean, he had money, not just his, we supported him in any type of recovery stuff he was making, whether it be exercising or doing yoga or reading about recovery or, I mean, we were so supportive. Um, he had, uh, people who cared about him and loved him and spent time with him. And we took, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, ownership in helping him with this, even though he was an adult, uh, we still felt like, um, his success um, would be, you know, more, uh, it would come faster and stay mm-hmm. if, if he had our support. So right. he had tons of resources. And tons of love. I mean, you did yeah. everything right and yeah. everything within your powers. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, with, but there's still, it still haunted him. It still was this, um, thing that he just couldn't kick and, we, uh, it got to the point where, um, his, uh, fiance, Jamie, she had had enough. Mm-hmm. Um, he had went, I mean, we've, we've, he even like spent time with you guys here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this last time before he ended up going into an inpatient rehab, he mm-hmm. was on Suboxone. Right. So he did finally try something. Right. Um, so it wasn't like he wasn't trying new things or different mm-hmm. things. And this last time, you know, um, just uh, within the year that he passed, um, he had called me up in crisis. I was at work and he was just like, mom, mm-hmm. I, you know, he's like, I'm not using opiates, but I am taking this. I'm drinking excessively. And he was like, I just, I've never tried inpatient rehab and I want to do it. Yes. And so, and this was at the end of February last year. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, thank God. I mean, yeah. I I didn't know that he was using Xanax. I don't think any of us knew. Well, maybe Jamie had an idea because she was around him all the time. Some of his old habits started mm-hmm. resurfacing, uh-huh. like never having any money. Right. Even though you make good yeah. money, never having any money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And with Kyle, he worked in the restaurant business, so he was cash-based. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy. Oh, you know, when you work in a cash-based industry. Exactly. No, it's it's 
common in, yes. in especially you know restaurants that are busy when you've got to stay on the move yeah. and, the, and the, the faster pace it is the more money you make yeah. and there yeah so and he did that and he yeah. loved it i mean he mm -hmm. thrived in that in environment yeah. and so uh, with him, I think that um, he was just tired, I think, of being a slave to it. Mm -hmm. I could hear the desperation in his voice. And yeah. um, so we, um, that day, we, the magic happened. We made it happen. I don't know how. We ended up taking him over to a, play, a local inpatient rehab and um, dropped him off and and even with insurance, because he had his own medical insurance, and he was only able to stay for two weeks. Right. Yeah. So. And that's really not long enough. If mm -hmm. there's an underlying mood disorder, I mean, you have to stay clean and dry long enough that you can actually properly diagnose it and even treat it. And yeah. two weeks isn't going to do it. Nope. Yeah. So he came out of rehab, and this was at the end of March last year, and... Um, I thought he, you know, he was doing well, I thought. Mm -hmm. uh, but Kyle was really good about hiding mm -hmm. that yeah. internal struggle, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we, uh, he was doing intensive outpatient therapy. He was going to AA meetings. He was just totally submersing himself in whatever he needed to do to uh, be recovered. Anything that made him nervous or stressed out, he was trying to avoid it like the plague. Yes. Um, he was even eating well, like clean, you know, he was trying to, he really tried. And so um, we, we did that for several months and then, I don't even remember what month it was, it was in the fall, I think. And Jamie and his girl, his fiance had texted me and she was like, something's going on again because mm. he's lying about mm. you know things yes. money's disappearing yes you know mm -hmm. so and he's i don't know if other addicts are like this because he's really the only one i've ever lived with but they get so good at lying it's just and manipulating nature. yeah they'll do whatever they have to do and so to his stories were always so mm believable or and he had a backstory and there were so many details and mm -hmm. and on top of it he was extremely charming oh, yeah. and so I always said he made perfect addict because he was just I mean he he knew how to how to do work the system oh, yeah. brilliant too and that's the thing he was smart as on top of it right. and so um, and he probably had you know I mean young males get a tolerance so quickly but, you know, they have to take so much yeah. just to feel normal. Yeah. We're talking two or three hundred dollars worth a day. Yeah. And so, but like you said, he thought probably that he had this all figured out. Yeah. At least day to day he did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah day to day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she finally, they broke up. He moved in with his dad, which I thought was a great idea because his right. dad has done this recovery thing successfully. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, he's been sober for many years. Mm -hmm. And, um... But it got to the point where several months went by and he wasn't doing the things that he and Shane had agreed upon that he would do. You know, he started drinking again and he started, yeah. you know, staying out till 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and not checking in. And it was just, you know, it's like, and money was disappearing. You know, like he would come home and say he had a slow night too often. You know, right. the money, it wasn't making sense. And so yeah. Shane had finally said... Dude, mm -hmm. we're going to have to have some tough love here. I yes. mean, so um, Shane had told him he was going to have to leave, and he found a place um, which I think Shane had kind of sort of knew the, or his mom had known the person that he was moving in with. So it seemed like a decent environment for him to be in. And and then uh, two weeks later, uh, he passed He passed away from an overdose. So. Mm -hmm. We just, you know, it was like, yeah, just like that. Yeah, all it takes is once. I'm yeah. Sure. And the thing yeah. that gets me, I think, the most is, and, and Shane and I have talked about this, uh, Kyle, in his various stages of recovery, would be very open about his usage, educating us mm -hmm. about the drugs, how much he took, where to get it. I mean, we, we know, we... 
because we would ask him questions because we want to be in his world. You know, we wanted right. to be submersed and try to understand and empathize with him. And I think, um, I mean, Kyle had actually done, like, he would do pharmaceutical research on these drugs. He would know some of their chemical makeups. Mm -hmm. And Shane and I were just talking about this. You know, I feel that he died because of... Uh, something in those drugs that he wasn't expecting. Right. Yeah, yeah I think it, it was, you know, fentanyl or something because yeah. uh, he knew how much he could take. Yes. He, he was experienced yeah. addict and he was yeah. smart. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I really think that um, this, his death was an accident. Right. And um, I don't think he was banking on getting a bad, bad dose of drugs. Yeah. No, but nobody does. You know, it's interesting what's out there now. I mean, sometimes like these impacts, these light blue pressed pills that have so much fentanyl in it, yeah. and some in there, and there's no regulation. They're counterfeit pills. You think you know what you're taking, and you yeah. have no idea. And so there's a lot of overdose deaths, even on people that consider themselves very savvy and right. very knowledgeable. Um, they get fooled, and all it takes is once. So yeah, um, Kyle with his. He would have made an incredible counselor. He would have mm -hmm. been an incredible motivator. Now yeah. maybe he have to speak through you. Yeah, but, I hope so. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. With Kyle, I think that um, some of the talks that he had with his dad that his dad shared with me was that um, he, at first, had this misconception, and I think a lot of people do too, mm -hmm. that um, addicts uh, have a certain look right. to yeah. them. Mm -hmm. And I think he learned um, in the end, towards the very end also, too, because he was going to AA meetings and things like that. So he was right. seeing what most people think an addict looks like. Yes. And he was he was thinking up to a certain point, that's not me. Yes. You know, I'm not that bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not doing heroin. Or right, I'm not doing, right. Yeah. And so yeah. Shane, Shane educated him really quick. He said, you know, mm -hmm. you are one bad decision away from being that person. Yeah. You know, you are you are only one step away from you know, having lost your your job, your family, mm -hmm. you know, and being homeless. And you think through superhuman means you can pull it all off, but there's no such thing as a functioning addict. They think they are for a while. Well, we yeah. thought, I mean, yeah. it was funny because um, a lot of people didn't know mm -hmm. he had this addiction because he did, even though he wasn't functioning, obviously, he, mm -hmm. he, he made it look like he was. Oh, yeah. You know, um, he kept his job. He made plenty of money. He looked good. He was smart. He was funny. Mm -hmm. You know, he seemed to, uh, he lit up a room. And my son was like the jokester and he was the party starter. And, right. you know, he would, we would be in the grocery store and he would spontaneously start a dance party in the middle mm -hmm. of the grocery store. <laughs> I know another guy like that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's just how he, he operated. And yeah. he touched so many people's lives. Like he had, he had so many friends that were like, Kyle was the best dude ever. You know, like mm -hmm. he would get the shirt off his back for me. And he was always there for me. And he was so friendly. And so a lot of people didn't know he had this secret, mm -hmm. you know, this addiction that he struggled with and it tormented him. And, um, I wonder sometimes too, if, if trying to keep up that facade of happiness and funness was difficult for right. him, yeah. if that contributed also to mm -hmm. his needing to self-medicate and things. But yeah. anyways, he, um, I can't remember where I was going with this, but I feel like with Kyle, um, he learned that this is in your backyard. Mm -hmm. Um, he learned that addiction doesn't really have a book cover. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it comes in all forms. It's, it's my neighbor who lives behind me could, who makes, you know, $300,000 a year could have an addiction. Um, it, you know, it's this young man who works for Texas Roadhouse that's 28 years old and seems like he's the life of the party. He has an addiction. Yeah. You know, so everything it's, always everybody thought everything came so easy to him. Yeah. He, yeah. And even the other day, uh, my husband, well, this was just last week, actually, 
my husband pulled a 75-year-old male out of a bathtub that had overdosed on uh, heroin that was laced with fentanyl. Right. And so um, it, it's your grandpa. It mm-hmm. can be your grandpa, too. Yeah. So. No, I see it all the time. And, and I will tell you, I've been to a lot of funerals. You know, I mm-hmm. work hospice and, and have been in the drug addiction world for 20-some years. I've never seen a more um, powerful one than that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. We, uh, Shane and I, we uh, wanted it to reflect him, mm-hmm. but we also um, really wanted to reach people. Yeah. And so it was. We talked about the addiction at our funeral. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. don't want to talk about how people die when when right. during the funerals. They want to preserve some dignity. Yeah. Uh, and. That was important to us, too, Um, but for the most part, I think that honoring Kyle um, meant um, making sure that people understood that he did have an addiction and it tormented him, and there there are ways Mm -hmm. to to get out of that. Well, and you're going to have to explain your funeral because I won't be able to. Okay. So you'll have to help me through it. Help the doctor through it, please. (laughs) So, so, I mean, this... I went, I mean, this is a huge church. Mm-hmm. It is packed stand room only, which it speaks is. to Kyle's charm and popularity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he was very vivacious and gregarious. And, and it was open casket. And like you said, mm-hmm. there were all kinds of people that worked with him there. Yeah. And in fact, and even the minister said, I've never seen a funeral like this in my entire life. But, <laughs> and so they, you're going to have to say it. Okay. Yeah. So... Uh, we, well, we closed the casket before we did this, but, um, we brought, um, Kyle into the, um, sanctuary or the, uh, worship center, um, ourselves. Mm -hmm. So Shane and I Mm -hmm. and his siblings and, um, his grandparents, we, we brought him in and that was important to us because he's our our kid right so um t- kyle works at texas roadhouse you're gonna make me cry so i'm trying to well, talk at you <laughs> I can't even do it, so. yeah your strength is amazing i know it's yeah. um so we kyle worked at texas roadhouse for many years both locations um he was a trainer there um and i think the embodiment of what you, texas roadhouse is about which is having a really good time in customer service great food great fun atmosphere he rocked that and so uh we had asked at first i didn't think we were gonna be able to pull this off because um a lot of people weren't they didn't think they could do it right because it was hard for everybody but we had asked if texas roadhouse would line dance for kyle as we brought him in so we, um, that was so cool. Just thinking about it, it was awesome. We finally got enough kids willing to do it. I say kids because I'm, mm-hmm. you know, those no. are my kids' ages. No, They're, absolutely. They were all his friends. His or friends that he worked with. And they needed to see this. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they all lined, they lined up at the front of the uh, worship center mm-hmm. and we brought Kyle into the boot. Moody. <laughs> Yes. Very well line dance. It was awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. So that was unique. Yeah. And then um, there wasn't a dry eye there. I'll tell you. No, that. there wasn't. Yeah. And then we, you know, Shane and I took turns, you know, mm-hmm. talking. At first, I wasn't going to mm-hmm. uh, talk because I didn't think I could, but I was compelled uh, that morning, amazing. just that yeah. morning. Yeah. Um, to, to speak, and then we uh, we took turns, and then his brother, um, Taryn, spoke, and, and then uh, Kyle's dad, he is uh, an addict recover- in recovery, mm-hmm. and his, his way of uh, recovering was through um, being born again, mm-hmm. and so um, it was really, and I'm active in my church and a Christian as well. And so it was really, really super important for us to make sure that not only did we talk about the addiction mm-hmm. and getting help, but we also wanted to share the gospel as well. So we did that. Right. Um, 
to the to the point where I feel like you know, uh, I didn't think that the pastor could uh, elaborate much because mm-hmm. we had already done a lot of preaching. But right. um, his message was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really know what he was going to be talking about, but yeah. it was it it was perfect. It just ended up being perfect. So it was good. But the two parents up there, yeah, powerful. Was it? Oh yeah, because it's every parent's. It's your nightmare. nightmare. It is. Yeah. It is. And you were probably waiting for that phone call one day yep. or, or knowing that that could always happen. And then one day you got it. Yep. You got it. So. Yeah. Um, it's really, it was hard. Yeah. No, I appreciate you telling this story so much because people need to hear it. Yeah. Um, you will no doubt save some lives. Um, you will no doubt make a difference. You and Kyle both. And um, it took a lot of courage on your part. Yeah. And, uh. It's, amazed, it's hard. Yeah. Every day, I mean, it's just, I mean, Shane and I were just talking about this yesterday. It's, uh, there are waves, you know, mm-hmm. there's days that we feel like, you know, hey, today was a good day. Mm-hmm. And there's other days that that Greece tsunami hits you. Right. You know, because yeah. it's, Kyle's only been gone for uh, a little over 90 days. So it's, mm-hmm. it was November 12th yeah. of 19. Yeah. So, but for me, uh, I think... For me, I want to be able to help people through this. Yeah. And um, I want to help people. I, I don't really know how to help addicts because I did the best I could to help Kyle and I still we still failed. But um, I think that as a parent, I could maybe help other parents mm-hmm. um, prepare for this. And yes. or deal with it when it happens. Right. And so, I don't know. I don't know how much time we have, but there were some things that I wanted to share, if that's okay. You know, it's not me. Share away. Okay. Share away. All right. Yeah. I wrote some notes just so yes. I wouldn't ramble. And thank you for helping me through this. Because I do. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. do ramble from time yeah. to time. Okay. So, what I would say to other parents of addicts, mm-hmm. and this is stuff that I've learned from uh, making mistakes um, and just the experience that I've had of being a parent of an addict for the last 10 years. Um, so one of the first things I want people to know is they should educate themselves because um, I think in this whole process, what has um, helped us as parents and his family members, it's his grandparents, his siblings, is we learned um, about the addiction. We learned about the drugs. Um, how they were taken, signs of symptoms of the use, and just because because it's they're sneaky, you know. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you don't even know what's going on in your own home because you're not you're living so you know you're not focused in on it. Um, how the drugs affect their behavior and their brain because uh, it's so easy to say, well, why can't you just quit? Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. And it helps you understand why they can't just quit. And when they do quit, what's going on? Because right. it's not like a, a switch that can yeah. just, you know, once you're done, it you don't have... No, that's that's the part of medication-assisted treatment. Yeah. yeah. So um, also another thing that um, we learned was what happens in uh, the recovery stage as far as... Um, your brain learning how to rewire itself and um, not. You get dependent on all these dopamine yes, surges. Dopamine the dopamine surges, surges, and all of a sudden it's yeah, not there. That's so yeah. important to learn that process. Yes. Um, also, another thing that helped us was um, learning about Kyle's um, other mood disorders. Um, yeah. The reason why he started using, you know, right. um, because if you don't take. The, if you don't deal with that, it's like a never-ending cycle. So, um, and and then um, also inform yourself on recovery programs. Be ready to help in a crisis. Right. Because uh, that was one of the things uh, when he finally did call and say, "Mom, I want to go," 
I had to do all that research that day, mm-hmm. and I wish I had already had that in my back pocket. I know it's, that stuff changes all the time, so you probably right. have to keep up on the resources. Right. But um, I had gone to a, a National Alliance of Mental Illness um, course. It's called NAMI. Have you heard of it? Right. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. I went to a 10-week. It was like a college course almost, and uh-huh. they met once a week on a Tuesday. Uh, for a couple hours and I learned um, about the mood disorders, Mm -hmm. how uh, people, and and we talked a little bit about addiction too, um, and the resources, like where do Mm -hmm. you go when you need help? So I had some of that in my back pocket, but as far as like the inpatient recoveries, I I didn't know. So that was the stuff I had, wished I already had in my back pocket. Um, Create boundaries. That's another thing I have. Um, You've got to keep your other family safe. Uh, Don't enable it it because I do know that uh, I've heard stories of of parents um, providing... Monies. um, Like some lady even told me one time that she had provided like sterile syringes for her son who was injecting heroin. And I just, I don't get that. You don't know what to do, but they do... Crazy things sometimes. Yeah, so um, don't enable uh, if you can prevent it. I mean, try to be aware of what you're enabling too, because sometimes even if you're thinking you're giving them money to help them with a bill, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not where it goes. No, absolutely. Um, also, don't is don't on the flip side of that. Don't don't disown your addict. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like that. I mean, you can create boundaries without disowning your addict. Right. Um, I th- they still need a lifeline. Yes. And sometimes that's just to talk. I mean, sometimes it's not like they don't even know what they need. They just need to talk to somebody. And so uh, that's one thing that Kyle had always. He always had a lifeline, like somebody he could call and just talk to. And um, so I just, I want pa- parents to know that they should, I know the behavior is awful. You can create, right. you can create boundaries without totally disowning and miscommunicating your, your child. Um, so, and if you can allow it, I mean, if you, if you're able to, don't let them estrange themselves from you either because it's embarrassing. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Addiction is embarrassing to them. And, um, it, sometimes Kyle would like drop off the face of the earth mm-hmm. and I wouldn't hear from him for weeks. Yeah. And I know it was because he was using, yeah. but we kept, I kept bugging him. Yeah. Like, you know, and I, maybe too proud or too, too, yes. I got, you know, macho. To, right. Yeah. Like, or yeah. even sometimes when he was in recovery, he would do that because it was just hard. Yeah. You know, a lot of soul searching. Right. And, and he yeah. was vulnerable and, you yeah. know, fragile when he was in recovery. And Can't so, admit to that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, also parents do housekeeping. And what I mean by that is your, you need to deal with your own issues. Mm-hmm. Because your addict child, they need you. Uh, so if you have an addiction, mm-hmm. which I think most Americans do of some kind, even if I it's agree. just the television or work, mm-hmm. um, or in a bad marriage or an unhealthy relationship or whatever, you need to deal with that because they feed off of that instability. Mm-hmm. So it's really important for you to be a healthy person um, so that you can be there for your addict because they're not going to lean on you if you're just as crazy as they are, you know, like in such a crisis and even if mode. they're making progress, yes. and then they go back into a stressful right. environment. Absolutely. It's, you know, That's so important. Right. Um, and then I know this sounds dumb, but prepare yourself for the worst. Yes. So, um, you need to know that your child can die from this. And be prepared for it. You don't ever want to think about preparing for your own child's death. I mean, people prepare for their parents dying, but they don't think about preparing for their children. Right. I mean... And you had siblings or, or his, yes. his siblings to worry about as well. Yes. So yeah. prepare for the worst. Yeah. Financially and mentally, mm-hmm. prepare yourself for this. Because having to, I mean, bury your child... It is a very stressful time, and it's if you're already somewhat prepared for it, it makes it so much easier. Yeah. 
And um, I know you don't want to think about it and put that out in the universe that that could happen, but it can. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. I'm living proof of that. Mm -hmm. Never thought I'd be talking about my son's death. No one does. Um, yeah. And then just to finish up, I'll try and hurry because I know no, you guys no, no, no. have other things to do. So what would I say to parents who have lost a son or daughter to an overdose? Because this is the life I'm living now. Mm -hmm. um, find some faith. You know, Jesus, whatever your faith system is, get there. Because that um, I couldn't do this if I didn't have that. Yeah. So I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I know this is on public wherever, and I probably yeah. shouldn't be talking about religion, so I won't spend a lot of time. No, I, I think you're but amazing. I think you're amazing. It, it is. The, the, I wouldn't yeah. be here if I didn't have my faith. And if yeah. it, I don't see how people do it without it. I just don't. Um, and then all the things I just mentioned about what to say to parents of addicts, do that too. If you haven't educated yourself about all this stuff, you, it's not too late yeah. because that helps you process what happened and deal with the, the finality of it and maybe understand what they were going through. And so, I mean, do all those things that I just mentioned. Um, Including speaking out so that you can save right. others. Speaking out yeah. so that you can save others. Do your housekeeping. Get yourself together. You know, if you have an, ad, an, an addiction, in their honor, do it. Deal with it, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, unpack the guilt. Yes. Okay? And I say that because I don't care how great of a parent you are, there's always something you feel like you could have done. Absolutely. Different. Yeah. That would have made a difference. I mean, Shane and I still talk about that today. Like, what could we, yeah. what, what other thing could we have done? Um, I think the thing that is hardest for us is that, uh, you know, he, we created boundaries and we stuck to them. Yes. What would have happened if we hadn't stuck to them? Would he be okay still? Yeah. I don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. another thing is uh, my son, he died alone in his bedroom. And that just kills me because he had so many mm. people he could have called. Right. And I had just text messaged him too. And I was like, I love you. So he knew we were there. He just, I don't know. It's just, that's the thing that gets me is, is that, um, you know, he just. But he knew you loved him. I mean, he always yeah. Loved him. Yeah. So, um, so unpack that guilt. Mm -hmm. Go, go to a counselor, deal with it. Find a friend that you can just be raw with because that's, that's what I did. And I got a support group. I don't do very well with these sappy support groups where the moms just cry about the loss of their children. I, I have uh, very strong Christian friends that are my rock, and that's my support group. Mm -hmm. And then I have a friend, you know her, Judy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's my raw person. Mm -hmm. I can just oh, be, yeah. you know. She's seen it. And, yeah, so if you, yeah. if you if get one person, you can mm -hmm. just, you can say whatever's on your mind. Because there's times, there's been days that I'm just so angry mm -hmm. just at the whole situation right. because he was such a good kid. Yes. You know, he didn't steal. He didn't, I mean, he had a heart of gold and I'm just, you know, there's just days I'm still mad. So if you can get that out, find mm -hmm. somebody you can get that out with. Um, and then celebrate um, your son or daughter. I mean, that helps me with my grief and this, this process. Instead of like tears of sadness and, you know, my life is not going to be the same, I know, with him gone. Um, we do, uh, we do cry. Mm -hmm. We try to keep it um, to tears of joy and bittersweet and things like that. But what we do is we like have identified his legacy, which is, you know, he just was such a loving person and, yes. um, and so we try to celebrate him and honor him and, and doing and, and paying for love. And we have spontaneous uh, dance parties in the grocery store and fun Fridays. That's my new thing. We do, uh, I just jam out to fun music and just, just do goofy things on Fridays. And so that's, that's one of the things that we do. And then, um, this is so important. Don't stop living. Yes. Because... Your son or daughter would not want that. That's right. I see 
parents or family yeah. members that just can't move on, they're stuck in the. It's it's hard to. I understand that because grief is like it's like this veil or this fog or it, and it's heavy and it's just I could see how easy it is to get caught up in that, mm-hmm. um, but I. The thing that keeps me from, I feel it, and it has changed me. I, I will say that. I mean, it's affected my work. It's affected, you know, how I react to things, and I'm uh, not as resilient to stress right now. And it's just, I mean, it, it will affect you. I mean, you guys don't, you see this smiley Tina, but on the inside, it's it's a struggle sometimes to I'm be sure. that way. Um, but I don't, Kyle would not want me to stop living. Right. He, you know, he wouldn't want that. And I keep that in mind. And then also, too, what about the other people in your life? Oh, yes. I mean, I'll, I see people who have other children, and they're so riddled with grief that they are not experienced life with their children, mm-hmm. their other children that are living. Yeah. So, um, you know, just don't stop living because it, it it's not honoring. It's not. Um, and then focus on good memories, too. Absolutely. Instead of... The absence, focus on, you know. And there were a lot of good ones. There yeah. were a lot of good memories. Um, I'm almost done here. So don't spend too much time trying to identify the why because it's one of the things that I've had to struggle with. Um, because you can seriously go into rabbit holes that never end. Right. You know, why did this happen? What could I have done differently? You know, mm-hmm. um, try not to spend a whole lot of time there because in the end it's not going to bring him back. So um, I think that it can lead to depression, anxiety, guilt. Um, so you want to think about things so life isn't repeated. You know, history isn't repeated, but you also don't need to spend a whole lot of time there because it's not going to change anything. Um, and then this last point I wanted to make to parents who have lost their son or daughter um, to an overdose is that um, that acceptance piece. I think that's the... I think that's the last level of grief mm-hmm. is just to accept that your life isn't going to be any different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it is going to be different. It's not going to be the same. That's what I meant to say. Um, and that um, it changes you. Right. This, this changes you. And uh, there's going to be some things that are temporary changes while you're dealing. I hear the first year of grief is like the worst. Um, but I think some things are permanent as well. Mm-hmm. And I think you just have to get to the point where you're okay with that. You know, you, your life is going to look different. It's never going to be the same. Um, and uh, why fight it? I mean, right. I mean it, yeah. yeah, you know, get, get yourself through the things that are temporary, but the things that are permanent... Um, this is just, I mean, to lose a son or daughter, it, it's probably one of the worst things I could think of could happen to you while you're living. Right. I mean, in life. And I think parents live with that fear yeah. all, uh, often, you know, whether they're just learning how to drive or, yeah. you know, they're at camp or, or yeah. heaven forbid, if, if they develop an addiction to something. And one of the things that really resonates with me too, although the addiction seems like the headline, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, I mean, the underlying mood disorder mm-hmm. is, is really the story. And it's if, huge. And, and so often, um, especially males, are not even tuned into their own feelings or, or people don't really think about treating the mood disorder as well. And so you can do really well and then fly off the tracks yeah. and do really well. And, you know, like, like with, uh, you know, Kyle, he he, uh, he would get better and then mm-hmm. worse and better and then worse. And so... Yeah, and I think, and this is just what I've seen with my experience with um, addicts that have recovered, because I know a few, mm-hmm. that uh, the ones who are super successful, they, whatever they choose to do in their recovery process, whether it be uh, getting mm-hmm. into religion or... Um, you know, support groups, or they have to almost hyper-focus on that one thing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like putting these blinders on to anything outside the, in the world and just staying focused on that one thing that, that's that anchor that's going to keep them on their path. Um, I know with Shane, you know, he, he was, uh, it was kind of like you would go from somebody who didn't go to church at all to he was there all the time. 
So I think that was a huge thing. It's just keep keep focused on that. Keep focusing on that that one thing that's going to help you, or several things. I guess it could be several that can can get you. And don't get distracted. Di- get distracted. Yeah. No, because that's what happened to Kyle. I think he right. would get distracted by life. Oh yeah. Um, he one time he called me and he said, "Mom." I think maybe I need to move out of state. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because he was living with Jamie at the time. And he was like, I like I know where all the dealers live. Yes, yes. It's like, I, you know, and I see them all the time. And he was like, this is just, it's just so hard. Yeah. And he, you know, because he had expressed needing, I just need to go somewhere where I don't know where all the dealers live. No. <laughs> you know, I mean. Sometimes <laughs> I, well, I've had people finally succeed just only by completely a new setting. Yes. And sometimes, of course, they'll, it won't be any better where they move to, but right. sometimes, like you said... Just something different, yeah. the, or the change in the behavior, yeah. or, you know... You're going to have weak moments. So, yes, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It, I, I, like I said, I, you know, we, we feel like we, Kyle had all these resources, and, uh, and we still, you know, are where we are today. Yeah. So, I don't know that there's a particular secret sauce, but... I know uh, places like this, um, that's that's a start for right, sure. Right. I mean, try yeah. not to do this on your own, too. That would be my advice right. to an addict. Don't try to do it by yourself. Yeah, people think that they're the only one with this dirty little secret mm-hmm. or oh, no. that, that nobody else understands. And uh, there's a whole lot of people out there. But I, I appreciate you coming and telling your story so yeah, much. And welcome. thank you for helping me through some tough times. And, uh, <laughs> no, it, it, it's not only takes a lot of courage, but I mean, you know, you're going to help some people. I have no doubt. I hope so. I, I hope no so. Yeah. I don't want, I do not want any other parent to ever walk down this path, but there will be. Yes. I know. So if I can help someone who's been there, who is there or could potentially be there, yes. you know, that's, that's what I want to do. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. Tina. You're welcome. All right. Dr. Lakin is a board-certified family medicine doctor with an emphasis in addiction medicine and over 25 years of experience. For addiction recovery services in the Wichita area, please visit www.centerforchangeks.com or visit samhsa.gov for a national directory of resources and recovery centers in your area. You can also find these links in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast. And remember, you've got this.